Well, we are in our third week of talking about Advent before Christmas. What is Advent? The word Advent uh, means the it means coming. It means arrival. Speaking towards the arrival of Jesus's birth and. The four weeks before Christmas, which the tradition has called Advent, is just a time to slow down, pause, and spiritually mm -hmm. reflect on what the birth of Christ means to us. You know, we can get pretty rushed and hurried during this time of year. Amen? Anybody yeah. feel like that? <laughs> so it's really awesome, I think, and important to take time like this. Come to church and listen, pause, and I, I pray you came in faith today. Yeah came in expectation, because God will meet you if you just come with open ears to hear. And uh, so we're talking about Advent. We have an Advent wreath up here that we have been lighting week to week. I think we all know the scripture that says Jesus is the light of the world. Mm. And so we light Advent candles around uh, this to symbolize that he is the light of the world. Yes. That round wreath it's evergreen, it signifies, it symbolizes eternal life, the everlasting life that we have through Christ when we believe. The pine cones on the wreath are seeds. Seeds need to go into the ground and die before they can produce many yes. more. And this is what Jesus did for us. He was the incorruptible seed that went like a grain of wheat, it says, it into the ground, died so that Eternal life could be offered to every one of us. And so here we are. We're products of that seed Hallelujah. of eternal life. Uh, and so the first week, you want to light the yeah. candle. The first week, we lit the hope candle and talked, just, just shared how Jesus' birth gave the world hope of everlasting life. And we believe in what he did for us. He died on the cross, rose from the grave. And so there's everlasting life through him. Then we lit the faith candle last week. And we talked some about how salvation comes by the grace of God. Jesus did the work on the cross. Mm -hmm. Salvation doesn't come by your good works. It comes by the work of Christ on the cross. And then we put our faith in what he did, and that's what brings us salvation. And so we, we talked about how we were supposed to walk by faith, live by faith, and that the victory that overcomes the world is, is our faith. Yes. And so that we, we lit the faith candle. And then today, uh, we're going to light the joy candle. It's the rose-colored candle. The first, the purple candles, um, they're purple. Sometimes they've talked to say that the purple has this meaning of fasting and uh, pausing, like in that way, in that sense, to consider what Jesus did for us. But the purple color also stands for nobility. Royalty. Uh, yeah, it stands for the supremacy of Christ, yes. because Jesus came, born in a manger, but he came to be king of kings and lord of lords. So that purple signifies his supremacy and his lordship. And then the, the rose color joy candle uh, is, signifies rejoicing. It signifies the joy that we have and the rejoicing mm -hmm. in response to what Jesus has done for us, the good news of the gospel. And the joy that Messiah has come. And Hallelujah. so the, this Advent wreath, we are celebrating the first Advent of Christ, his birth, his coming. When Jesus came and he began his ministry, he, he said, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the good news. So he was saying, the kingdom of God is arriving on the scene. It's breaking into human history. You can be a part of the kingdom of God. But we do this now by faith. Because the second advent of Christ is going to reveal 
The fullness. The fullness of the kingdom. There will be a literal kingdom of God coming to be set up on this earth. Won't that be an awesome time? And this is what he's inviting us into now yes. by faith. The second coming, we will see him face to face Hallelujah. and see him as he is. And so we talked a little bit about that last week, that we are in kind of an already but not yet state. The kingdom is already here. We operate in it, and we are to manifest the, the, yeah. the blessings of the kingdom by faith, by believing. But the day will come, the second advent, the second coming of Christ, when he will come to set up a millennial reign and rule on the earth, it says his kingdom will have no end. It will be from everlasting to everlasting. And it will increase. And it will increase. Hallelujah. Yeah. And so let's just pray. Father, we, we pray before we begin to look into the, the word. Father, we, we come before you, Lord, with great hope. We come before you with faith. We come before you with joy. Mm. Just meditating this morning, thinking of all the good things you've done for us, Jesus, through your birth. We do thank you, Lord. Jesus, for humbling yourself, obeying the will of the Father to come to the earth for a purpose, to be born like us, to take on our humanity, to bear our sin debt so that we could be one with the Father. We could join you as a family of God, sons and daughters of God. We, well, that does bring us joy, Lord. Yes. And we worship you for it. And help us, Holy Spirit, as we look into these scriptures this morning to understand deeper and actually to tap into that supernatural joy that lives on the inside of us. In your name, in Jesus, we pray. Amen. 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 So joy is a key word surrounding the biblical accounts of the birth of Christ. I mean, as we were singing this morning, I, did you notice yeah. that? <laughs> well, we sang that first song, joyful, joyful, we adore thee. And, and there, even before the birth of Christ, when you read in Scripture, there was this joy being birthed in the hearts of people at, yes. the, at the thought of his coming and the people that would believe that he was the Messiah. Turn to Luke uh, in your Bible. Turn to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start with verse 14. We do have this up on PowerPoint. But follow but, along. But follow along. Again, we must become familiar with, with our own Bible, with Scripture, know, you know where things are eventually, slowly but surely. If you keep turning, you will find, you will, you will remember where these things are. So Luke chapter 1, verse 14, this is the story of when Zechariah uh, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth had been barren all of her life. Well, she became pregnant with John the Baptist. Okay, the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah, and, and this is Luke 1.14, and it says, and you will have joy, this is Gabriel saying this to Zechariah, and you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. Again, it's speaking of John's birth, John the Baptist's birth, and of course, there would be natural joy around a, a woman who was barren. I mean, they think that maybe uh, Elizabeth was in her 80s at this point, yeah. so it was really a miracle of what was happening. So there would be people around her saying, you had a baby, this is awesome. I mean, just in the natural, there would be joy. But, but John had a special, would have a special anointing on his life. He had a divine destiny from God. He was to be a forerunner yes. to Jesus's ministry. Okay, so he was called to preach a certain baptism of repentance 
to turn from your sin and receive forgiveness from, from God. And scripture says this was going to prepare the hearts of people so that when Jesus came and began to preach, their hearts would be prepared to believe. And so John's message was a, a message of baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and Jesus was going to preach the good news. So, okay, and then if you just go down uh, a few more verses to Luke 144, this is when Mary comes to visit Elizabeth. And Mary, ha having just conceived Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, she goes to visit her cousin Elizabeth, who is now pregnant with John the Baptist. Mm -hmm. And uh, when Mary just greets Elizabeth, she comes in the door and she greets Elizabeth, the baby in Elizabeth's womb, leaps for what? Joy. Yes. Elizabeth said this, 144, Luke 144, for behold, this is Elizabeth speaking, when the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And then Mary, you can only imagine the conversation that must have taken place between these two women, com comparing stories of what has just transpired in their life. So Mary, at this point, she's overcome with joy and begins to just speak out prophetically yes. in what's been called Mary's song, or, or sometimes in tradition they've called it the Magnificat, that Mary begins to speak out like a psalm in Luke 147. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit, what, rejoices yes. in God my Savior. She was already having a revelation of who Jesus was as a, as a Messiah. For he has looked in the humble estate of his servant. Mm -hmm. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. I mean, she just starts overcome with joy. So Mary's filled with this overwhelming sense, this joy that of all the mighty things that Jesus would do to raise up the humble, yeah. put the proud and the mighty down from their thrones as he ushers in the kingdom of God. And, Hallelujah. I mean, yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we, we, we understand about the Magi or the wise men from the east. They too, when they saw the star, they uh, stay in Luke because I'm going to go to Luke here, but in Matthew yeah, 2.10. Yeah, this will be up on the screen. So yeah, Matthew 2.10. It says, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. I mean, picture that in your own mind. You ever seen yourself with that much joy? And they're looking at a star. Yes, like, yeah. dancing, jumping, screaming, yelling, high-fiving. <laughs> if they did it back then, I don't know. <laughs> but anyhow, let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So the Magi are jumping around, excited to all get out. And now we see the shepherds. Luke 2, verse 8. It says, in the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the field and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord flashed around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, <laughs> Yes, which will be for all people. For this day in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. So we see all these references to joy before and during, and we'll find this that we find it afterwards about the first event. 
first advent, the first, the arrival of the master, the arrival of the Messiah, joy stirring not just in the shepherds, the wise men, Mary, Elizabeth, but joy is in heaven. It's rising up all over heaven and earth. Oh man, it just, did you get goosebumps yet? I got them on the back. <laughs> I mean, this, this word is Jesus himself. So it's just to be absorbed by you and I. I love reading this stuff. I love reading this stuff because it just opens up deeper relationship with Jesus, you and Jesus. But not everybody was happy. Don't we know that? The Pharisees weren't happy about it. Joyful. (laughs) Yeah, they were not joyful. They did not rejoice and neither did Herod. We found out that Herod tried to kill him. So it was, you know, and this is a group that hatred and rebellion just built in their heart over the time that Jesus ministered to them on earth. And then we find here that they contended against Jesus all the time. Every chance they had, they would contend against them. You know, but he's bringing the gospel. He's bringing the good news to the entire world. But you know, we've been using the word gospel for 2,000 years, and I think probably people actually just hear the gospel and don't actually think deeply about it. You could probably even spell it in your mind. Because the gospel seems to have lost its meaning when we, even when we say it, even in church. It's come, become commonplace. It's the gospel uh, children's, uh, the gospel... Bible study, the gospel this, the gospel that. But what is the gospel? That's the key. What is the gospel? I mean, even take a look at our culture. They, they just destroyed the, the gospel. They, they say it's not even needed at all. But the gospel is really is good news because it's, it's letting people know that sin has blocked the way between a God of love and they themselves. But the culture probably doesn't even know how to define sin anymore before a holy God. The culture itself doesn't even need God anymore because everything is okay. Truth is flexible these days. There's no consciousness of sin anymore in our culture. Thank God that we're alive to Christ and He has he is tenderized our conscience. Amen? Amen? Yet the good news of the gospel is really that. The good news it starts off like the good news is everybody's a sinner. Doesn't really sound like good news, does it? <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> yes, but we've got to understand our position before a holy God, don't we? Yeah. God is holy and righteous and good. And then we find that nobody on this planet is holy, righteous, and good that can stand before God. Nobody. And we've all sinned. We were born into sin, and we have all a sin nature. And there's no way for us to get rid of it because no good works are going to change that. No, No, like you were saying, no resolution. I'm a New Year's resolution. I'm going to. That's not going to take away your sin either. We can't cleanse ourselves from the sin and only the blood of Jesus Christ received by faith can 
forgive us of our sin. Only he did that. It's only the blood of Jesus. He is the only one that walked this earth perfect before God, sinless before God, righteous before God. He's born a baby in Bethlehem by a virgin, and he's, he is the Son of God. He is the pure Son of God. He is your Savior. He's my Savior. He lives forever and ever. He did what we couldn't do. And all we have to do is just believe it. He lived this sinless life, a pure life. He pleased God in all his ways. And, but yet he was crucified for our sin under the curse of sin. He took your sin. He took my sin. He paid our sin debt. His, out of love, he did that for us. He died in your place. He died in my place. But now Jesus is resurrected, praise God, and he's offering this new life to you. He's offering this new life to you, us. He's offering this new life to everybody in the world. All this can change by a heart that's receptive to the gospel, the good news, recognizing who you are. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, you're changed instantly. Jesus gives us this new life. This new life starts with understanding your position where you repent of your sin. It's repentance and faith that brings it. It's grace and faith working together. Because the Bible declares all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Right. Yeah, that is the gospel. <laughs> so it's good news. It is good news. It's a message, though, it, that has to be received with humility. Yes. Otherwise, it's not any good news. It's like you said, with the... If, if no one understands, people don't understand sin much anymore, then it's like, well, what's so good news about that? If I don't really see my fallenness, if I don't see my sinfulness, then it's like, eh, you know, I don't need that. And so this is part of what we pray for during our prayer times, that blinders would come off of people's eyes. Because without a revelation of your depravity, yes. your fallenness, your, your blackness in sin, then we don't reach out for salvation. It doesn't sound like good news. But with a humble heart, there's recognition that I need this, that I need this. Because in the courtroom of heaven, right. you know, sinning against a holy God demanded justice. A penalty had to be paid. Just like if you broke the law now, you end up in a courtroom. There's like, well, you're guilty. Here's the fine. Here's the penalty that you have to pay. Well, the good news is we couldn't pay it, but Jesus stepped in and said, I'll pay their penalty, their sin penalty in full. Yes. Now, and that's good news. That should make us all go, yeah, on the inside. <laughs> You're clean and pure. Hallelujah. But it's not just a ticket to heaven. We've, we've talked about this over, over time. It isn't just a ticket to get out of get out of go on the hell free card, so to speak. Like, well, I shoved this in my pocket and now I just wait till I die and I get to heaven. No, there are so many other gifts Amen. and facets of beauty that come with the gospel, that come with our salvation. And really it's about a way back to the Father. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Yeah. No one comes where? To the Father except through me. And so this is a a reconciliation back into a relationship Amen. with God as our Father. Father. These, Father. These are deep spiritual truths that we receive by faith. 
that we're going back to our father. We've been adopted through salvation into God's family as sons and daughters of God. We become children of yes. God. So we're not just having salvation, receiving salvation, oh, now I'm heaven-bound, I'll live for eternity in heaven. There are the gift of our relationship with our Father to know that he's loved you from the foundation of the world. Yes. It saddened him. It broke his heart that we were separated from him in sin. So he gave his best. He gave Jesus Hallelujah. so that we could be reconciled back to him. We have to meditate on these truths. We can't just sit up here intellectually and go, well, I know I'm saved. And it, it needs to move our heart. Yeah. Actually stir it to a point where we say, wow, you know, it, there's this joy of, you loved me that much. And there are wonderful gifts then that he brought with salvation, beautiful facets of our salvation. Like the blood of Jesus washes away that sin nature that Pastor Steve was talking about, the sin and the past. He makes us new creations in Christ. And when you begin to read the Bible, it says he's planned good works for you yes. to do. Have you ever asked the Lord, what are the good works? Like, what, what have you planned for me to do in this life? He gives your life divine meaning and purpose and destiny. He makes you holy and blameless. We are given the mm. very righteousness of God. Yes, Righteousness is perfectness, blameless in his sight. That's an awesome gift. He washes the shame away, yeah, the guilt away. Then he gives spiritual gifts for, to us. Yes. Supernatural grace on the inside of us that we could walk out the life that he's called us to live. We could never say to him, well, you, you, you made the standard so high I couldn't do it. No, he'd say, no, my grace yes. <laughs> was sufficient. That in your weakness, my grace will actually work more powerfully over you if you'll believe that my grace is there to help you. And so this is all about a relationship with him that, he's, that, that, he's, that has been established through salvation. And then there are eternal rewards even yes. for those who will walk by faith, trust in him, love him, do good works in the name of Jesus you will be rewarded at the judgment seat of Christ, and those rewards will carry on through all eternity for you. Yeah, hallelujah. I mean, he did all this for us when we were dead in our sin. The plan of redemption is so great, what he's done for his people that, are called, that, that he calls. Like, listen to well, the, yeah. how the Message Bible puts this. The, this message, is, is or the message is a paraphrase. Yeah. You know, but listen to what it says. This is reading out of the paraphrase, the message paraphrase. It's Ephesians chapter 2. It says this. It wasn't so long ago that you were mired in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. <laughs> you filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it, all of us doing what we felt like doing, when we felt like doing it, all of us in the same boat. It's a wonder that God didn't lose his temper and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in his mercy and with incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in the company with Jesus, our Messiah. This is the good news. 
This is the gospel. It's wonderfully good news. <laughs> we see this set, really, the purity set on the backdrop of our sinful lifestyle yeah, gift, that we had. Yeah, the gift of salvation. Like if you set it against the, a black backdrop, like you said, this old stagnant yes. life that we were living in, polluted. It, it's like looking at... A, a, a beautifully sparkling diamond that's laid on the backdrop of a back of a black cloth. Like, ha, ever notice how diamonds are displayed? Like, if you've ever gone in and into a jewelry store and you pick out any kind of stone, but let's say you pick out a diamond, and often it's set against black cloth. Like, yeah, the, this is what we they'll on take the PowerPoint take it out one. of the case, or well, let's say you've got. Money. An extra $5,000. <laughs> you go to the jeweler and you say, I'd like to see some diamonds to make my wife this beautiful ring, right? <laughs> well, they would put them out on black yes. often. Why do they do that? Well, because it enhances the beauty of that diamond. And then there's the light in the jewelry yeah. store that shines down, all, you know, over that. It has that. to be special light. Yeah. <laughs> And so you're like, oh, look at these things. They sparkle. Like, these are beautiful. And they, so they do this for a reason, to enhance the beauty. The blackness enhances the beauty yeah. of that diamond. And then if you, like, th go to the next slide. If you, if you would actually, like, look at it and turn, it turn a diamond, like, looking at the different facets, the way mm -hmm. it's cut, you're going to go, oh, wow, I didn't see. Look at that color in it. Yeah. or. Green, blue, look at it when you look yellow, at it this way. And, red. and yeah, when you pick it up and just move it slightly, you begin to see all the different sides of, it, of a diamond's beauty. Mm -hmm. And the message of the gospel is really like that, laid against the backdrop well. of our fallenness. If you would say, like, the backdrop of the blackness of our sin, and then the <laughs> diamond is. Jesus comes and he's like, uh, he's that diamond, yes. the beauty of the gospel message. Because as we get to know and love Jesus more, how, do we, how does that happen? By reading his word, yeah. by listening to a message like this where you go, I didn't know that. Oh, it, it draws you closer to the heart of God. Of, and we have the help of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us yes. to show us, to help us discover more of the facets of who Christ is in us. And as you do, we, we've begun to sing a song here recently, you keep on getting better. And it's not as though he's actually does, he's in fullness, he's, he's perfection already. It's just that as our understanding yes. opens up, we go, oh, it's like a dime, like, oh, I didn't know this about how you loved me, and I didn't know you did this in my life, and I can see you working here. And so he's like, he is our priceless treasure. Hallelujah. Jesus is our treasure. And look at Jeremiah 15, 16, says this. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your words became to me what? A joy and a rejoicing of my heart. That's awesome. As you begin to meditate on these things of who he is in you, what he's done for you, there is a joy. You're drawing from Jesus himself yes, on the inside. Absolutely. For I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. God. So the facets are like, in Christ you're secure. You could look at so you, many things about... It's a person. It's not just... Your love. It's not just words on a book. You're, you're finding this person named Jesus Christ. 
And the Word of God says that in Him, we're secure. And you'll never fear, we can never fear alienation from God. Yes. Again. We're loved with an everlasting love. No separation. He's the one who's made us whole. He's the one who made us new creatures in Christ. He's the one, because of His blood, has caused us to be pure and holy without blame. We can stand before Him like that. Think about it. Think of your past. Now think of that diamond on that black. You turn that, and I said, I am, I am, I am. And again, he did it all himself with no help from us. He did it as it's through his grace he did it, and all he's asking us to do is believe it. It's, and that's going to bring joy. I'm telling you, that's going to bring, bring you joy. It says the Bible declares that you and I are gifted spiritually. We're gifted. I have a gift. I have a gift. And what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to exercise that gift, bless other people with that gift. What? Because that's like Jesus. And that doing those things, being a doer of the word is going to bring you joy. It'll bring you joy. It'll cause you to rejoice. He's redeemed our life by his love to be a blessing to other people. Yeah, to serve others and, and actually gain joy. You, 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 joy builds in your heart as yes. you serve other people. As you get out of yourself yes. and give some joy, it comes back to you. Have you ever noticed that? Yes. Even when you don't feel like it and you force yourself to do it, then all of a sudden, man, my attitude feels better. Yeah. Well, it's a blessing to I'm know you I'm a nicer guy. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe how nice I was to them. <laughs> the Holy Ghost must have taken me over. <laughs> he's, he's, listen, he has made you perfect in his sight. And what we have to do is start looking at that diamond and then knowing him, finding all the facets of what he's done for us so that we could live in that. And when we live in that, that joy unspeakable is going to manifest in and through you to other people. Look at what it says in Romans 15, 13. Really, if the Bible says, if God is for us, who could be against us? Think of it that way. When everybody's attacking you, you just look at them and say, <laughs> if God is for me, who could be against me? I mean, think about it. That's probably what those guys said when they were thrown to the lions. If God is for me, who can be against me? Why? Because there's a future hope. There's a reality that you. this isn't all there is. There are people right now that you know and I know that are walking in the fullness of the kingdom of God. I kind of get jealous about it, to tell you the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm serious. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. When you start believing what God says, who you are in Him, that's going to bring joy. That's going to bring you peace. and It's going to settle you. He's not mad at me. He's not pushing me away. He's drawing me closer to himself. I don't, you've got to put down the way you feel. And you've got to accept by faith what he says. Yeah. We've got to plant these seeds, his living word, in, of truth into our hearts yeah. and meditate over them. You don't just get this the first time. 
you got to look at that, and you got to look at that, and you got to say, Holy Spirit, show me this. Make this real in my life. And just keep, sometimes you can only read one verse, but you read it for the same verse for a half hour and just say, Lord, just saturate me with this reality. That's how you go and pray. That's how you ask God for things. we got to believe the seeds of truth that he's planting. Then this joy will rise up in your heart. There's no doubt about it. No matter what the circumstances are. (laughs) Because there's something supernatural about this. It is a supernatural reality. <laughs> you go meditate with this over and over and over. It's like a spiritual over. force. It's the fruit of the Spirit. Yes, it is. It's not just some ethereal thing like an emotion, joy. You're right. actually drawing There's on a difference. something yes. that's going to stabilize your mind and, actually, and your heart. And I, I believe it actually works throughout your spirit, soul, and body yes. to, be, to, have a, to understand how to tap into the joy of the Lord. And so we sometimes we read the Bible, and we do read it for truth. We absolutely need to be familiar with the Bible for truth. But it is a source of joy. Yes. It will comfort. It will settle us. And in, even in that, there's this sense of joy and peace that comes like, this is not the end. I'm right. living forever. Yes. And I, look at Psalm 119. This is verse 162 Great. of Psalm 119. It's, a, it's an awesome scripture. <laughs> the, the longest psalm in the Bible. But it says, I rejoice at your word as one who finds what? Great, great treasure. treasure. Do we rejoice at the word as one who finds great treasure? And if you might be honest with the Lord and go, I don't get it. Well, then ask him. Yes. Say, Lord, I see this in your word. I want to find your word to be great treasure to me. Ask him for that revelation. Yeah. Don't pretend, just ask him. He knows already. He's waiting for us to be honest with him. So, so we rejoice as we read these things of who we are in Christ as a person. Again, it's the diamond. Yeah. <laughs> I found great treasure. Like, look at what he's done for me. And so many people are looking for happiness, yeah. hope, peace, purpose. I mean, mental health issues have skyrocketed, skyrocketed ever since COVID. And young people, it's amazing. Little kids go into the emergency room with suicidal thoughts. Like, There's a lot of darkness and hopelessness out in the world. And this just after the COVID and all the lockdowns, everything that all went with it. I mean, people's hearts, reservoirs are like running on empty. They don't know where to look to fill up and find hope and peace. And certainly people are looking for joy, but I think most people are in the world are looking for happiness. And they're grasping for things in the world to fill them up again. Pleasures, entertainment, distractions, video stuff, material things, drugs, sex, alcohol, Mm -hmm. pornography, just constantly on social media, flipping through, flipping through the mind, just going, looking for what? Looking for happiness, hopefully finding some kind of contentment with it, you know, we need, we need this for our soul to prosper. We do need contentment, and we need joy. Amen. But look at Jeremiah 2.13. This is the danger. The Jeremiah the prophet spoke this. He said, for my people, prophetically, for my people have committed two evils. He's speaking for God here. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewn for themselves cisterns or broke 
broken cisterns which cannot hold water. There you go. What does that mean? God's saying that as people are looking to the world, they're, they're hewning out, they're carving out their own idols. This is how I feel good about myself. This is where I'm going to find happiness or contentment. Come on. Hoping that it'll bring that. And often it may be sin for a season or some of these worldly things provided for a fleeting amount of time. Listen to this quote. This is a theologian. A, a, he was a Dominican priest. It was Thomas Aquinas from the 1200s. I don't think I have this. Oh, I did put it on PowerPoint. Man cannot live without joy. And it's true. Without joy, we are hopeless. Therefore, when he's deprived of true spiritual joys, it's necessary that he become addicted to carnal pleasures. That's it. Right there. Think about what that's saying. If we cannot live without joy, because as we're going to see, the joy of the Lord is our strength. We need joy. We are designed to operate with the joy of the Lord. Well, if we don't find it in him, then we become addicted to carnal pleasures, thinking this will fill me up or this will fill me up. And so we try to create our own reservoir Mm. to draw life from. People overwork themselves. Material things, again, you know, just sex, drugs, fame, all the things that the world will entice you to say, this is, climb this ladder, this is where <laughs> you'll find it. Yeah. But it's a broken world. <laughs> Don't we know that? And that kind of happiness that we get, the pleasures of sin for a, are for a season. Fleeting. It's a broken cistern that can't hold the kind of water that you and I need. It'll never satisfy that deepest longing on the inside of us to know our Father. And see, some of us need to be awakened even to that desire. Yes. You're like his heavenly Father. We yeah. need awakened that, that we were, we came, Adam and Eve. I mean, we, we've told that story because those are our roots. We were lost from Eden. We're going back to the garden. Yes. When Jesus comes back and, we, and he manifests this kingdom. But now we need to live there in our heart. We yes. need to cultivate this relationship with our heavenly father. Ask him, I want to know how much you love me. I don't get it. I don't, that's okay. Tell him. Yes. The Holy Spirit's on the inside of us to reveal then truth. But if we don't ever ask and we just kind of live in this, well, I guess I'm, I should know, you, we won't go very far. We won't know. Because our greatest need, really, our greatest human need is to be known by God. Yes. To know and feel his love and affection for you. And then to give it back to him. It's, it's about a relationship with Christ that, that, that he's done for us. Because God himself actually is the fountain of living water. <laughs> he's the fountain. Come on now. Because that, that scripture had about- said, I mean, he said, you've forsaken me. The fountain of living waters. So we're drawing upon him. And what did Jesus say to the woman at the well? Yeah. Yeah. John 4, 14. Jesus, Jesus is talking about salvation here. Jesus is God. He is the Son of God, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's leading us and guiding us into this same relationship with the Father, the same love with the Father. And the key is, is that it's on us to start to say, hey, I'm not quite sure about this. Help me. It's our turn. What did he say? He said, whoever drinks this water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water, 
but the water that I'll give him will become in him a fountain of what? Water springing up to everlasting life. Everlasting life. And Isaiah 700 years before that says, with joy I will draw water from the well of salvation. That's Isaiah 12, 3. But this joy, it's a spiritual power that you've been given if you're born again. It's in you already. We have to cause it to grow. We have to water it. It's a seed in you and it's a seed in me. Water it with the word. Well, look who draws the water. This is really important. Read that scripture. Look who draws the water from the well. With joy, who will draw the water? You. 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 Me. We do this purposely, intentionally. Think about it. This is God. He is not against us. He's for us. So when we are having a difficult time or even think, boy, I wish I knew this better. And like Pastor Mayman, don't flatline there. That's when you ask him. Oh, I need more revelation yeah. on this, Lord. Give me, give Show it to me. me. More. Yeah. Release it to me. He's the Holy Spirit is our helper. He's our sustainer. He's the one who's the teacher of the church. God is not against you. He's for you. He wants you to come to Him and have that relationship that Jesus had with Him. And when we do this, we'll overcome every trial that's in our life. Every difficulty, every setback that we have. Jesus did say in John 17 or 16, in this world you'll have tribulation and distresses and sufferings. But what does he say here? Be of good cheer, take courage, I've overcome the world. That's when you got to say, Lord, you need to teach me this. Don't act like, oh, sure, or yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. No, this is when you ask him, oh, bring revelation to me. I want to walk this out. I want to live this out. I want to be of good cheer. There you go. And what do we do? We, We draw the joy. When we do that, we draw that joy from the well of salvation. The well of salvation is Jesus. Jeremiah said it was he, God himself, is the living water. So joy is a, a, a choice. It's totally a choice. Joy Listen is to really this. A it should choice. come up here on no. the uh, joy no. is the quiet confidence in a great God who works for our good even when we can't see the way immediately. And the determined choice to praise God in every situation. Just like Pastor Mamie said, joy is a choice. Joy is a choice. Yeah, it's uh, like, (laughs) as you were reading that, that quote was just some pastor had said that. Joy is the quiet confidence. A quiet confidence on the inside in a great God who's working beyond what I can understand. He's working out everything, it says, in the end for our good. Yes. And it's a de- it's a determined choice to praise him for that in every situation even if you don't understand. So joy is a choice. Yes. Happiness happiness and joy are you know sometimes we say was well, it the same thing as happiness having it's joy. Not. But happiness is a bit different than joy. I mean joy and happiness can sometimes feel the same like but happiness is a result often of things that happen in our life. Right. Like sometimes our circumstances will produce 
happiness, and then we'll say, well, I, that makes me joyful, and, it, and they kind of blend together. Like when things are good, you get the job promotion you were hoping for, or you know, your finances are all in order, and you, it's like, I'm happy. And it makes you, you might say, I feel joyful. Your health is good. When your kids win the game, you know, they win the series. It's like, yeah. <laughs> it does produce happiness yep. in us, doesn't it? Along with feelings of, we would say, well, that's joy, too. But happiness is more dependent on outside circumstances. It's kind of, happiness is kind of working from the outside in, if you will. Like when things out here are going good, I'm feeling pretty happy. But happiness, again, is elusive because it can come and go depending right. on what's happening outside in your circumstances. But this inner sense of joy that we're talking about, that we're drawing on from a bigger picture of life, who I am in Christ, this is, these are eternal truths. Yes. And so we can have joy in spite of things that are going on outside in our circumstances, in spite of what's happening I can still choose joy, right? I can still go, you know what, I'm not going to let this. Right. We say steal my joy or give my joy away because joy is an eternal, uh, what is it? It's an eternal force on the inside it's of us with the fruit power. of the Spirit. Yes. And so I can choose to have joy. This is a, this is a mindset. We talked about winning the war in your mind. If, if fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace, then I right. can draw from that on the inside of me. Yes. And joy, you know, is from this inner reservoir of life on the inside of me. When I consider the diamond, it's yeah. like I have to look at the whole big picture and go, you know what? God loves me. He's for me. That's, he'll never, he'll <laughs> never leave me or forsake me. We have to, let, to learn that joy be our sustaining force. Right. Because in the end, that's the, really the truth. When we get to heaven, we're going to see that's really what all that mattered, that you didn't let go of what you had in your salvation. And so joy will flow out of us, you know, and reveal it in the face, like in our face yeah. as happiness. But it's yeah. not necessarily coming from outside things. It's like, I can have this joy. It's like the song we sang, I got the joy, I got the joy. But it's coming because we're drawing on in eternal truths. Mm -hmm. When we've tapped into that, it's, it's different than joy is not like, well, hey, just turn that frown upside down and smile and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we're thinking, yeah. we're understanding the bigger picture of what Jesus has done for us. This is Amen. why we can choose joy. And we have to choose it every day. You can learn, though, you know, you can train your flesh to just, Quiet it down. Crucify it. Amen. Because our flesh will be mm, grumpy. Look at the negative. Talk <laughs> the negative. Look at the frown. I mean, the flesh, should, haven't we all been there? <laughs> Don't we all fight it every day? And so what does the Bible tell us to do with our flesh? Mm -hmm. Crucify. Cruci Don't feed it. Crucify it. Say no to it. Yes. And then consider what the Lord has done for us. And if we keep choosing joy, asking, Lord, I want to live this day in joy, help me to choose it. Yes. That life-giving force will begin to come forth from the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And, you know, we are called to run our race and finish it how? With joy. With joy, right? Yes. 
this is a sustaining force for us. Amen. Look at Nehemiah 8.10. It says, the joy of the Lord is what? Your there strength. You it's our strength. So it has the ability to strengthen us and sustain us when everything on the outside gives you no reason. Nothing on the outside gives you a reason to rejoice. You right. look on the inside. You draw water from the well of salvation on the inside and go, you know what? In the end, it's all going to work out. In the end, when I get to heaven, I'll understand. There's a joy that comes from that. You, you think about Paul in, the, in prison, about ready to be executed. He writes Philippians. How many times in Philippians says, rejoice? Again, I say rejoice. I mean, that's a spiritual power that he tapped into that we can tap into. It's not just a privileged few. It's for everybody who calls on the name of Jesus. Look at John 15, 11 here. Yes. John 15, 11, Jesus himself says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. I like that word full. Well, you know what? This is a good time to pray about something here. Well, John 15, 11, put that down and mark it in your Bible. Come back to that. And that's when you go, Lord, I need you to teach me this joy. I want to have this joy manifest in my life. You said fullness of it. So, Holy Spirit, teach yeah. me. The human heart needs to feel joy. You know, it is the fruit of the Spirit. It's supernatural. It's our sustainer. It's our strengthener. It's, it's to our mind and our spirit. You know, there's a passage, this is really important to understand, there's a passage in John 16, and this is what Jesus says. It says that no one will take your joy from you. Let that set in. No one will take your joy from you. Other translations will say, no man can take your joy. So it's like a something tangible, something real. It's an object. It's true. It's a gift of the Spirit. No man can take your joy. And you know what our problem is? We give it away. We give it away. Somebody bothers you at work, you give your joy away. Family member, traffic, crazy drivers, politics, Unexpected hardships, really. Difficult relationships, delays. Look, nobody can take your joy. What we have to do is make sure we don't give it away. You know, that person might not change for 20 years. Don't let for 20 years you give your joy to that person. Hold on to that joy. Don't give it away. Who's, who's drawing the water out of the well? We are. Yeah. yeah. If we don't have this joy, if we don't manifest this joy, if we don't really desire this joy, our life is going to be boring. Our life will turn into a depression. Everything will be discouraging and hopeless. All the while we have eternal life inside of us. Jesus through the Spirit of the living God, dwells within us. He's enthroned with you, inside of you. You don't have to go far, do you? 
You don't have to go up to heaven to get it. No, no. It's right here. I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength. God loves me. God has forgiven me. God is, I'm his treasure. The Bible says I'm a jewel in his crown. What? (laughs) Well, then I'm going to believe that. I'm not going to tell him why I'm not. Huh? Don't we do that? No, I can't be. No, no, it's not. uh, No, I'm going to agree with God. When I agree with God, guess what? I get this joy, joy, joy down down in my heart. (laughs) Where? Down in? How many of you know that song? (laughs) Or dating ourselves. That's a great song. It's an old timer. It's a great song. But this is for you and me. This is a treasure you have. You're a spirit being. You have this joy now. Don't cover it up. Ask the Holy Spirit, teach me, I want to live in this joy all my life. I want, you know, it doesn't mean you're not going to have a down day. Jesus said in this world you're going to have trial, tribulation, difficulty. But let's don't stop there. What did he say? Give good cheer. Yeah. Why? I've overcome Why? the world. Why would we be of good cheer? Because he's overcome the world. And we have the victory that, that overcomes yes. the world, live on the inside of us, our faith. Hallelujah. And so let's just, we'll close here. I think it's, thank you. Thank you, Lord, for the truth of your word. Thank you, Lord, that as we delve into your word, yes. we read your word, we just meditate on it. Just this was we speak it. My prayer is that joy has been rising up in your heart. Father, we, we forgive us for giving away our joy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You've done so much for us. You, it's like that beautiful treasure, like that diamond. You are a treasure to us, Jesus. And you love us. You're for us. You're not against us. Forgive us, Lord, for giving our joy away, for, for moping around, being in our moods. You know, just, we can be hateful in our flesh. Forgive us, Lord. I pray, Father, that the the joy of the Lord would become our strength, especially now, Lord, let it build during this Christmas season. Yes. We have such great reason to rejoice in all that you've done for us. I pray that it bubble up, Lord, on the inside of us, that as we go about our day, today, tomorrow, remind us, Holy Spirit, when we want to get in our mood and, mm. and think down, <clears throat> yeah. help us, Lord, yeah. to look on the inside. Let the joy of you and what you've done for us and your love for us be our strength. And I pray, Lord, that we would talk to you about it. We would open our mouth and say, thank you, Lord. The joy of just let this joy bubble up on the inside of us and spread it around. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would give hope and joy to other people around us. Yes. Scatter it around. <laughs> Scatter joy this Christmas season. Like confetti. Yeah, bring some joy into, the, into our gatherings, into our homes. Let us be joy bringers, Lord. Let it reflect on our face. The yeah. happiness, we're drawing upon the joy, and it's bringing a, a happy smile to our face, a countenance, a contentment, a, a love for you, a glow. Yes. And so help us, Lord, to not just be receivers of it and enjoy it ourselves. Help us to be givers of joy. 
this season. Jesus, we thank you so much. In your presence, you say, is fullness of joy. At your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Help us to be people who live there, Lord. Yes. And then spread it around to the people that need it the most, the hopeless people. Help us to be sharers of the salvation that you've given us. The gospel is clear. Recognizing our spiritual condition. Calling sin, sin. There is a Savior. His name is Jesus. Through his first advent, he paid the price for your sin and my sin. He paid the price for the world's sin. Let's not follow the world. God's calling you not to follow the world. Because of his love for you, Jesus went to that cross and died. He shed his blood for the forgiveness of your sin. He paid the price for your sin. Why would you try to pay it yourself? Because you can't. Another thing we talked about is this joy. You cannot have this kind of joy without Jesus Christ because he is the joy. He's the giver of the gifts of the Spirit. If you're here today and you recognize that you've sinned against the Holy God, no matter what the world says, you know in your heart because he loves you and there'll be a conviction in your heart and that's an invitation to draw close to him. He's calling you. Is there anyone here today that want to give their life to Jesus Christ today? I see. For you online, it's a simple act. All you have to do is just say, Father God, I've sinned against you. You sent your son Jesus to be my Savior. I believe he did that for me. I, from this day forward, want to live for him. Come into my heart. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in your ways. In Jesus' name. That's how simple it is. Amen.